Welcome everybody, Yankee Chronicles Podcast. I'm here with Evan and Donald. And before we get started today, we just want to ask you to go to statementgames.com where you can find a, a unique experience to all fantasy sports. Also check out docadamsbaseball.org and learn about the founder of baseball. Um, Evan, you want, you want to start us off today? You wanted to um, address us? Yeah, we're just going to talk about mental health real quick because, um, you know, it's an issue for everyone in life. And I also especially feel that um, men's mental health is not always taken seriously. I think a lot of men feel they cannot come forward um, and say they're having an issue or they're feeling depressed or they're feeling angry or stuff like that. Um, and it's something that needs to be talked about. It's something that um, needs to be taken seriously. Uh, Eldrington Simmons came out recently um, in an article stating that last year he opted out of the last five games of the season because he was suffering from, you know, depression and anxiety and other things. Um, that's a big deal, especially if you look at the whole Ryan Friel story um, Ryan Friel, if you guys don't know, was a super utility player. He played for the Reds for at least seven years. I think his career was about nine or ten. It was cut short due to concussions. He had a, between nine and 11 concussions from sliding really hard into catchers in first base. Um, he committed suicide, and he shot himself in the chest because he didn't want uh, to ruin his brain. He wanted them to study his brain and see uh, what was wrong with him because he knew there was an issue. Um, he had CTE. They discovered that after his death. Um, he, had, up to this point, is the only known baseball player to have it. Obviously, that's not the case. There are probably several out there who have suffered over the years from it. Um, so I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on what you think baseball can do to uh, help not only these players, but also players like Tyler Skaggs, who had an opioid problem and was given more drugs from someone who worked with him. I think the first issue is sometimes because it's, you know, baseball's uh, quote-unquote man's world, that you're told to just, you know, man up. Well, you know, you're, you're a professional. This, this is part of the, you know, this is part of the job, you know, the pressures of it. Uh Baseball really needs. I, I think they need to expand if they don't. If they haven't already, th their their mental health policies, you know, and give them, uh, you know, even if it's um, like anonymous, where they can go and they can go to a therapist, or you know, have some type of mental health coach on the team, you know, um, on the staff that they can go to in confidence if they're having you know an issue. You know, especially we see you all the time. You know, we take for granted when these players are having a slump, and the media tears them apart, the fans tear them apart, and sometimes we forget these these people are human. And as much as you know, we enjoy the you know, not that we enjoy you know the the heckling. It is you know, it's part of being a fan. But sometimes, you know, we don't take into account that, you know, they do, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, they do have feelings and they, you know, they need somebody to go to. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree there. Um, for instance, I, I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think there's a stigma with, uh, 
with with certain ways that uh, men's mental health is treated. Um, like for instance, remember when Dak Prescott of uh, the, the Cal- Dallas Cowboys quarterback, he kind of was open about his depression um, before the, the season started last year because his, his, his brother died, and uh, and then Skip Bayless kind of on uh, ripped him on TV about it, uh, and I, and I, I felt terrible for for Dak just that he was he, you know he, he kind of he went public about it. Um, and and then was kind of disparaged on TV by by a big you know presenter. I thought it was an awful thing to do, and it kind of scared people off from being open. Uh, that's the kind of thing that would scare people off from being open about it. Um, you know, and, and during these kind of times with the pandemic, where people are living in fear, um, people are worried about their their family's health and their health, and and uh, it, people need to um, be open about it. Um, and baseball players are just like us, you know. They're just like us. We only see them on TV. We only see them uh, in interviews, and only see them during the game. We don't know what they're like uh, after. We don't know them personally. And uh, a lot of them will be just like us, and, and there'll be some of them that will be depressed. And uh, and I think it's a good idea. I think that baseball should uh, should um, should make sure that, that it's a safe place, and it's uh, and it's. And also that it can be private as well. It doesn't need to be public because a lot of people don't want to make it public, especially in a 24-7 Twitter universe. Um, although I'm sure a lot of people would actually back them if they if they went public. But, you know, it should be their option. But I do think that baseball should take uh, depression very seriously. Um, and, you know, if we're talking about CTE, they obviously they need to work with the officials as to make sure that safety protocols are followed um, with, with sliding in a base, these things, um, make sure everything's safe because, you know, uh, CTE is an awful thing. It's a, you see what it's done to, to some very famous football players in the 80s. Um, wow. And I don't think football took it seriously for a long time. And uh, now they are, but it took a while. So baseball, although it's a non-contact sport, really, um, should obviously make sure that everything is as safe as possible because, hey, it's a very hard ball that's being thrown at you 100 miles an hour and anything can happen. Yeah, it hits yeah. you in the head, whatever. And there's a lot of uh, things that that, uh, that can be very dangerous. So, you know, just um, we're covering a lot of bases here, but uh, baseball should obviously make sure that they work hard uh, to, to make sure it's a safe uh, environment for people with mental health. Yeah, and if if you look at, remember a bunch of years ago there was that bully scandal in uh, football with, um, forget the two players, Jonathan something and and another guy where he he was he was being bullied. Uh, Richie Incognito was bullying Jonathan something. And oh yes, yeah, sorry, yes, football. Yeah, right, yeah, and because Richie Incognito is a very good all-star caliber player, Pro Bowl player, they basically backed him, you know? Yeah. And, and and Jonathan's mental health was laughed at. Same with Monty Tail. And, um, you know, it's just, I guess that's the culture in football, but that's not what we want the culture to be in baseball. And I think it's interesting. It shouldn't be that, a culture in sports or society. Forget it. No, forget it shouldn't. It shouldn't separate. at all. 
I'm just yeah. saying it makes more sense in football. Like you can see that that's kind of what the culture has been over the years. It's a, it's a bully. If you're, if you're weak, you get bullied. Um, but in baseball, look at CC Sabathia, for example. Yeah. He had, a, he had an issue with alcoholism and yeah. he came out during the playoffs, got the help he needed and was praised for it. If he had come out and said, I'm depressed, I need to take a break. Do you think he would have had the same level of support? No, no, no. not at all. You know, you know. That's actually that's a great that's a great example. You know, let's give CC a lot of credit because alcoholism destroys a lot of lives, and he he went and got it nipped it in the bud. All right, it was a, a sacrifice the playoffs, but you know his life is more important. He came back, got it fixed, and he came back to a really good pitcher the next year. You know, and he's he's looking fit and healthy. So yeah, um, I think that was a great thing that he did. Yeah, but don't you? Still, there was still critics of, of you know towards Sabathia, you know, and it was really it wasn't extreme, but there was still some that was you know were you know why now? Well, there's never yeah. a bad time to get help, yeah. right? But Robert, do you think? that it's a bigger issue that we analyze alcoholism as something you can control. No, it's not something you can control. It's not, no. but neither is a mental health issue. No, so when, someone, come, when yeah. someone comes out with depression, it's like you need to give them more help than the person who can go and get treatment for alcoholism. You know, both are definitely hard to deal with. But unless you get a new brain, you're going to have those mental health issues for the rest of your life. And what you're doing is you're learning little ways to cope with those issues as you get older. I have dyslexia. I'm always going to have dyslexia. But I've learned how to deal with it as a child so that I could deal with it as an adult. Um, and I, I think, you know, if we, you know, nipped it in a butt when you were younger and had everyone kind of mandatory see someone to talk to, Maybe we could all, you know, get somewhere with, with the mental health issues that we have in this country. I don't know. It's hard to... It's hard to force people to talk. Yeah. But if they know that the option is there, that they can go to somebody, that's a, that's a huge factor. You know, I dealt with depression on and off for a long time. And, you know, it's something I, I take very seriously. Yeah, me on, too, man. On, on Twitter, I always, you know, if somebody's, you know, getting kind of harassed, you know, most of the time I try to stay in my own lane, but then there is so there there are exceptions to that where, you know, enough is enough. You know, my DMs are always open. Send me a message if you need, just even if you don't know me, just to get things off your chest. You know, players need that same outlet, and that that's up to. The players you to communicate with the teams to get that you know to get that help. It's a very good point, man. It's a very serious issue. I mean, there was a player in basketball too, Royce White. He was a uh, draft pick, seventeenth pick overall for Houston, and he had uh, a bunch of issues where he couldn't fly or do things like that, and he made it known before the draft and he still got picked and he complained that they never even gave him a shot with his anxiety. They never let him 
you know, do anything. But you also got to understand how are you going to get to games if you can't fly? Like you chose this career, you know, you, I wouldn't pick a career if half of it's limited by my anxiety. Yeah. You got to understand your own self-worth. Yeah, it's it's something that really it needs more attention for sure. You know, these these are public figures, and the an everyday per, an everyday person can feel pressures from their job. Mm-hmm. Think of how it's elevated for them that they're in the public. You know, yeah. it, it's something that's not mentioned and talked about enough, especially in sports. Yeah. of the whole much you know whole machismo attitude yeah um and we talk about with the you know with the bullying in the locker room and the hazing you know that that, that, that there's no need there's no room for that you know we all understand as you know pranks on the rookie you know there are ways to have a little fun but also make sure that you know it's not taking too far where they feel like they're less worthy than anybody else just because they're the new kid on the block. I might be biased, but I think the Yankees have done pretty well, though, man. I've not thought of any instances at all where there was any issues, really. Am I wrong? No, and look at what uh, happened with Clint Frazier. He was having issues in the locker room the first two years he came up with his teammates, with his maturity level and stuff. And they explained it to him, sent him down. He's one of the most mature people in the locker room now. He figured so many things out last year to the point where we as fans should be really impressed and really proud of him. I, I mean, I certainly am. And that goes to the front office as well. I think the front office look after their players really well. Yeah. Which is why it's so frustrating with Gary Sanchez because you're like, God damn it, Gary, just listen and figure it out. <laughs> well, I think the Yankees do very well with, with maintaining that leadership and, and you know, being a Yankee is, is, is very, they, they take themselves very businesslike. You know, and as much as we joke around and, and we'll have discussions about, you know, some of the Yankees' policies for, for the players, there's a, a, there's a level of maturity ex- expected. And it, you know, like Gavin said, you know, Clint grew up a lot quicker than I thought, I think he thought he would. You know, and I think that's the prestige of, of the Yankees is a part of that. And other teams need to follow that suit. You know, we don't know if that's the actual case of, of why you, you don't hear a lot about the Yankee locker room. But I would like to I would like to assume that that's a part of it. I just think in baseball in general, you don't really hear much out of locker rooms unless it's like a young, fun team. You know, we we didn't hear much about, you know, the Yankees in a lot of those locker rooms, 09, we didn't, they didn't give us insight into what was going on. We find out after, after they win the world series, then they'll have the interviews and tell us, this is how we did it. But before then, not really. You're right. It was, yeah, you only hear about it years later. I think they managed to keep everything during that era where we won every single year. They kept a lot of the locker room kind of craziness kind of, 
lock tight. Like Joe Torre is not a tight shit. Yeah. I met Joe Torre once at a pizza place, Sal's Pizza in Mamaronek. That would have been awesome. He does not smile. Like you guys think I don't smile. Joe Torre will not smile. Mm-hmm. Good to see you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did you say to him? Hey, Joe, we love you. <laughs> Thank you. Good to see you. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. But the, um, the concussion protocols in baseball um, are, are improving. I, as much as I hated when they got rid of the, you know, the, the you know, collisions at home base, yeah, you know, looking back and the you know with the concussions and the damages of you know the the risks, um, the future risk of getting concussions, you you it makes you understand why they did it. Yeah, you know, not not so much you know why did they do it? You now now with the studies and especially I mean they're, they're so slow to act on it though because look look at um, Pete Rose's entire career he made a career out of destroying catchers yeah. lives <laughs> um, and it, it took him a long time too with the whole foul ball thing to put up nets so that fans aren't getting hit anymore I mean didn't we lose oh a my little God. girl got killed we've had fans who I remember um, little girls getting hurt Little girls getting hurt. Wasn't it Josh Hamilton was throwing a ball to a, a dad and the dad fell over the railing and died in front of his eight-year-old? Like, it's, yeah. they need to – why was there not a protective thing over that railing? Makes no sense to me. Yeah. Good point, man. Yeah, that's actually almost uh, – it's actually very dangerous when those big foul balls are going 150 mile an hour going straight back. You don't have any time to move. Yeah. It's crazy that it wasn't any protective netting for so long. You know, even with the netting there, you still flinch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Man. I mean, I flinch when I go to a hockey game and the puck smashes up against the glass. Like, it's loud. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it, yeah, there are dangers. Remember what happened to Stanton's face? Yep. You know, it just, just, exploded his jaw and he's now he's got that protective um yeah. you know shield over the side of his face when he's when he's batting so it's, it's very you know there are and you you can also notice he's on on so much edge when a ball is coming that close to his face or, or upper shoulder area like stanton just you feel <laughs> i know i would too i've been hit in the head in a baseball game it literally hit me in the helmet and i fell back it's not fun yeah I yeah, go ahead and the jaw by a ball. Inside, he gives the pitcher a look like, you know, I understand you need to use the whole zone, but that one was a little too close. Yeah. And honestly, it takes a lot of mental strength to come back from that, from, yeah. from something that happened to, from Giancarlo, you know, where his yep. face basically exploded and he had to basically fix his teeth and his mouth and stuff. And then just yeah. to come right back out there and face 100 mile an hour pitches. It's, you know, it's it's not easy. <laughs> no, I don't think I could do it. You know, the you know concussion you know procedures is, is something I think they're doing a, a better job at. Um, I do want to keep an eye on what they're doing with the the mental health aspect of of the game. That it, yeah, it's a very serious topic. You know, we've been able to to 
you know, get a couple of a little chuckles here and there so far today, but it's still something not to be joked about. You know who's really good to talk to about that? Uh, Laura from the uh, female uh, Yankees yes. Chronicle podcast. She constantly is uh, advocating for mental health issues for both men and women. So if you need any help at all, uh, we'll drop her handle at the end of the show or in the comments. Go look her up. She will definitely sit down and talk with you if you need it. Yeah, no. Or shoot us a DM. I'm, we're always listening. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, the yeah. first thing is to remove any stigma from mental health. It's uh, There should not be any stigma attached to it at all. You know, yeah, our, our Twitter handles are shown you know, in the beginning of the show, in the intros. And, you know, uh, we... we, we it is something that needs to be taken seriously, and we take it very seriously. So, if you are having if you, if you are having a rough day, reach out to somebody. There's no shame in it. You know, so there's no there's no there should be no animosity towards you for saying I need help because that's always the first step, and that's the hardest step is especially. You know, in a um, as an adult and as a male, it's even more. It's even harder to, to ask for help. And uh, I mean, it's scary. I I'm not going to go into detail, but when I was younger, about 13, 14, I had an issue with a friend, and I told my other friends, and they stopped being my friend. So you know, it's it's one of those things where you got to be very careful who you tell, but make sure you talk to someone because I probably could have handled that situation a lot better than I did as well. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's something you don't want to watch anybody go through. You know, I mean, there's not one person that, you know, whether you're, you're watching us, whether you're interacting with us, Everybody has been, been uh, everybody has fallen to depression at some point, some worse than others. And there are, um, there are out, outlets you can go to. And um, what we'll do is we'll add some, uh, we'll, we'll add a link to a couple of hotlines on this show um, that you guys can go to if you do need help and you, you're just not comfortable going to a family or a friend. Um, there are there are places that you can go to for help, and um, we will help you get those find those options. Yep. It, it, it needs to be it needs to be done. It needs to be talked about more. So, um, I want to get to what we wanted. To, you know, our, our initial uh, topic for today was um, did the legacy of Brian Cashman's trades. Um, some good, some bad, some okay. And some made sense, some didn't. Um, what do you guys think? What, what was if when you hear of the upside to Cashman's training moves? What's the one that stands out for you, Donald? That you like? It was a it was an automatic win. Well. Uh most recent example there's quite a few to be honest i think that uh, uh he's done really well with the, the luke voigt trade it was great and the and the Didi gregorius trade was was just brilliant quite honestly um well, it's kind of sad to see him go really he was 
he kind of became the leader of the, the Yankee locker room, really. <coughs> then he was there. Just uh, that was a great trade. Um, and, um, and to be honest, my f- two favorite trades of all time, um, whether it's regardless of Cashman or not, but uh, for the Yankees, Paul O'Neill and Tino Martinez, yep. two incredible trades. Yeah, Tino those, Martinez. I had, those, I, I had those two checked off too. I, I was about adored, to say one of those. I adore Tino Martinez. And the, the Paul O'Neill trade was it for Roberto Kelly. Was that was that the trade? That was oh, you know, yeah. That was a great trade. What, was Scott Brocious a trade or a signing? I think he, was, he might have been a, a signing. Well, I like Scott Brocious. Well, of course. That was the you know, that was the, you know, the core of our team. Now you now you got me stumped. <laughs> I just I just love the fact that when you look at that that team that lasted, you know, four or five years, there are so many guys up and down the lineup who if you just look at them randomly, you're like, ah, oh, no, they're not they're not a Hall of Famer. They're not this or they're not that. They were the glue to that franchise, though. You remove any one of those guys, even Shane Spencer, and we don't win. You needed all of them. And it was incredible that we had them and that they fit so perfectly. Exactly. See the difference that it took when, when they let Andy Pettit go in free agency and they brought in Kevin Brown. That's that was probably the reason why they didn't we didn't win the the World Series that year. Yeah. They, you know there was that core. Because chemistry team. matters. Chemistry I, mattered. I, yeah, and I think in a baseball uh team it's really hard to, you know, have an entire uh 25 26 man roster that gels as perfectly as our team did back then i mean you know what i loved about them is especially posada and jeter they had they were win at all costs mentality anything short of winning they were furious you know and they uh they didn't take it out on people necessarily but they had a steely determination every time they, they took the field was, well, they were both captains. They both acted exactly. like captains. And, you know, Posada didn't have the title, but you can't remove his leadership from that locker room. What he did for the Yankees and his patience and everything else was phenomenal. And that same mentality does not exist now, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. And I think that has a big part to play as to why we haven't won in so long. 100%. Uh, because you, just, you can't recreate that kind of determination to win. You know, Jeter would say in interviews, he's like, what's the point in even competing if we're not going to win at all? Of course. Of course it's a failure. But now they find different ways of kind of interpreting it. Oh, I wouldn't say it's a failure that we got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Hey, we made it. That kind of thing. You yeah. know? Yeah. That, that's But we've talked about it in many, and we're kind of maybe going off topic a little bit, but that's probably why uh, we've not won in so long because there's, there's so few in our team that have that kind of steely determination. Yeah. No, and when you have a front office who, like you just said, doesn't have that fire like George had, you're not going to put out that product every year that, you know, has guys in it that must win. Because you've set that example from the top that, oh, you know, we didn't make it, but it was a good year, blah, 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 blah. Okay, then why am I working hard if it doesn't matter? You're not going to be upset if we lose. Yeah, George, that's there's no accountability. Yeah. Furious. Anytime we lost, I don't care if it's an exhibition game. I don't care if it's a random Mexico League City game. He's pissed. <laughs> he wanted to exactly. win everything. Yeah, and Tori wanted to win. He just wouldn't shout and rave and rave about it. But he would go 
And if you pissed, if you pissed him off, he would let you know about it. And it scared the hell out of the dressing room. And that dressing room played yeah. like animals. You know, no, re- to make remember, sure remember Paul O'Neill would strike out and then he'd go to the outfield and practice his swing in the outfield. Well, yeah, that's what we need. I'd, he was I'd beat the hell out of a water. Remember the water, the water, water beat the hell out of everything. The <laughs> Those poor coolers. The water cooler. That's right. The, the best great. Paul O'Neill play though was when he was in Cincinnati and he kept bobbling the ball and he just got pissed off, so he fucking kicked it and it yep. went right to the guy and he got him out. <laughs> you remember that? Look that play up. It's hilarious. <laughs> he he get he gives up on the ball after bobbling it maybe four times and just fucking kicks it all the way to the infield and they get him out at like a home or something. It was ridiculous. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. But that's why I love Paulie, man. He, he, <laughs> he was a perfectionist, man. Like if he wasn't batting a thousand, he was pissed. Yep. <laughs> uh, one of one of the other trades that I think went under the radar was um, when Wilson Betterment was traded away for Nick Swisher. You know, that was another that was another win in the, win for Cashman. That's you, a good you guys think. Yeah. Yeah, I like that trade. Swish. I think Swisher really, you know, he was kind of like that little, that annoying little kid that hung out with the adults. Yeah. See, Swish on his own, I'm not overly on because about. so much fun. I was yeah. going to say, Swish on his own, I'm not overly fussed about, but as part of the unit, because we created a really good team, as part of that, he was a fundamental part of the whole team. You know, that's why it was a good trade. Sorry, what you yeah. said. Uh, we also had some other, like, clever little trades that just didn't work out for whatever reason. Remember, remember when we got Pudge Rodriguez yeah. and Lance Berkman? Oh, that's perfect. Lance Berkman, yeah. He was another one. Yeah. Just the random trade deadline deals where you're like, oh, man, if, if this works out for the playoffs, it's going to be great. And they never do because it's like oh. the guys are like, eh, we're, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Cashman's made calculated moves. And we're, we're, we always blame him. And I've said it before. It gets to the point where you can't hate him for trying to improve the team, but get on the players for not living up to their potential. And not playing to their ability, you know. The GM can only, you know, the GM and the manager can't throw the ball for you. They can't swing the bat for you. You have to do it on your own. You know, so there, you know, there are, are there are those moves where it's like, you know, what were you thinking? You know. Well, he he also Johnson. You know, it was an arm and you know, it was a bull, It was a rotation arm we needed. But just couldn't live up to the pressure, and that's not the GM's fault. I think Cashman's shining moment was uh, 2016, where he actually, Absolutely. where he took a step back and went, you know what, we're not gonna be, we're not gonna be competing this year. And instead of forcing it and forcing it and forcing it, more and more veterans, let's take a step back. We'll start to make some trades. We're gonna acquire some key assets, and these key assets led to our wonderful run in 2017. Um, and uh, and it's carrying us on right now to this day. You know, Cashman saw saw that the the end of the road with with, with uh, the 2009 team. You know, yeah, the weather was a lot really, and 
was like, you know what, let's tear it down. It's not, you know, it, and what I, I'll always give him credit for that. For a team that, you know, you saw, you thought was on the verge of, you know, you know, rebuilding for a couple of years, they still almost won the wild card that year. With the yeah. True. Yeah, there was no rebuild. The rebuild was literally half a season, which is hilarious. Yeah. You name another GM that could have done the same thing. Not no many. other team you, can. Sorry, man. No, you're good. If you look at what Cashman does, he constantly hates trading for rentals because he thinks that it's just a waste of time. And I agree. If you're not going to bring in a guy who is going to, you know, be substantial for your future, then there's no point of doing it because you think he's the little edge piece to win a World Series. That's not what Cashman does. He wants guys that, you know, will develop and be there for when we are getting to the World Series, not, oh, I'm going to bring this guy in. He doesn't do that. So, like, those Lance Berkman and Pudge moves, we gave up nothing for those, you know? And if they had paid off, he would have looked like a genius. Yep. No, you know, it, it's easy to get on Cashman for a lot of things. He leaves us no, he, he doesn't leave us in short supply of, of, you know, criticism. But it was, we mentioned yesterday with the, um, we, we brought up real quick the, the Vasquez trade, you know, and the first, the first time was a bust. The second time, when you look at the other piece that came over with him and Boone Logan, that, that second time went from a, a terrible move to an okay move. Because Boone Logan was a, was a pretty decent arm in that bullpen. And you almost forget that that came with the Vasquez trade. Yeah, and it's like you simply stated a couple minutes ago, you can't blame Cashman for the player not working out. Yeah. You know, the first time... Vasquez was terrible. The second time, like you just said, he got a piece that he needed. So he said, okay, I'll bring in a guy who's probably not going to be good. But if he is, I just struck gold. Um, so he did it. And unfortunately, Javier Vasquez is not a good Yankee and shouldn't be here. Yeah. But you know about what Cashman did there with these calculated trades um, on that six-month rebuild <laughs> was unbelievable because if you look at every other team – or every other sport, I mean, they, the uh, rebuilds take years and years and years. I mean, look at the Red Sox just did. They tore everything down, and now they're in a full-blown rebuild after right. running a World Series not that long ago. And um, But the Yankees somehow managed to find a way of being competitive and being in a playoff hunt or making the playoffs every single year. And I, I have to give Cashman credit for that, man. That 2016, though, speaks volumes to what the market was. Cashman got lucky because there were two teams there who were better than anyone else by a lot. You knew both were basically going to make the World Series, and you knew they'd be willing to give up almost anything to do it. The Cubs hadn't wanted how long? They would have sold their souls for that. Exactly. So the fact that we had two of the greatest relievers of that time period who were the missing pieces. They proved that they're the missing pieces multiple times through multiple rounds of the playoffs. Then you get to the World Series, and it's literally both teams that we traded with. You know, he could not have read that market better. No time in the history of baseball have two relief pitchers stopped a rebuild from taking multiple years. 
And if you think about it this way, if it wasn't for the Astros and the cheating scandal in 2017, he would have got down the team at the trade deadline in 2016 and then won a World Series in 17. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that would have been insane. What, what, what we might, we might have lost to the Dodgers, but we at least would have would beaten have been the Astros. That is for certain. Because if you look at that series, the games we won were pretty convincing. And the yeah. games we lost were it rather one run. Yeah, it was one run. <laughs> exactly. So Crazy. I really think that we were right in it with the Astros. And had they not cheated, we might have come out on top. I really think that it was that close that the cheating impacted it that much. Yes. Oh, there's no doubt about it. We were cheated out of that. We were completely cheated out of the World Series. Yeah. And I mean, that smile from Chapman alone is as telling as you could possibly see. He was like, yep, yeah. I knew they were fucking doing this. He did yeah. it on the mound. I mean, come on. Yeah, I'll that, never that, forgive the Astros for that. I will never forgive them. Everybody got on him for laughing on that home run. But that laugh was I, – I, that was one of those, fuck, I know it. You know, I knew that was – no matter what he threw, it was getting hit. Yeah, Actually, exactly. I disagree there because every single smile he's made since is starting to get a little bit annoying because he did it against the Mets and he's done it against Tampa Bay. He's got this kind of smile now where he gets walk off. So I'm not quite sure. Whether well, it's, it's not like he can see through all that goddamn sweat that's coming down <laughs> over his eyes. He sweats buckets. <clears throat> yeah, I could do a whole show about Chapman. I'm not a big, massive. Uh, I don't like him much either. No. <laughs> I, I would have been fine if he left and Dellen stayed, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't agree with re-signing him um just this past year. The for the three year deal, I thought it was a terrible I agree. Yeah. Well, all right. Well let, let's wrap this one up. And uh what we'll do tomorrow is we're gonna talk about the trades that weren't made that we were lucky they didn't make it. Um some of those There's people are screaming for it. It turns out they, they would have never made it anyway. Um, I think that's an interesting take on some things. And um, hopefully there'll be other Yankee news to discuss. Um, hopefully it's not Brett Gardner coming back. I'm still How dare you? Well, I'd rather win Merrifield. Poor Brett. Well, we're not getting wit. I'd rather wit too. I'd rather <laughs> wit and Brett. Oh, don't get so don't. Don't give up, yeah. Don't give up, Evan. Don't give up. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow. Peace. All right. Everybody, have a good day. Stay soft. Stay safe.